Welcome to the Totally Transformed Podcast. My name is Julie Borden, and today I have the privilege of getting to sit in with my mother-in-love, Dr. Connie Borden. Welcome to the show, Dr. Connie. Thank you, Julie, and uh, it's a privilege to be with you, too. And we know uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about Lance, that he just needed to do some other things that were very important, really. That's right, yes. He's at home right now, getting a little bit of rest, hanging out with our kids. Yeah. So um, it's fun to get to sit in and get to host the show with you today. And you stepped up to the plate. And so this is going to be a great show because I love it when people are ready in season and out of season. That's what the Bible says. Be ready. That's right. Be ready with your lampstands full of the Holy Spirit because you never know when you're going to have an opportunity. You didn't get up today thinking that you were going to come and be able to speak into people's lives, whoever hears this podcast. I didn't. Actually, I got home. I had uh, picked up our six-year-old from school today. Right, I got home, right. and on my way home, I thought, I've got three baskets of laundry to put there away. There you go. <laughs> and they're not being put away right now. <laughs> so I'm, I have a feeling, because uh, God is always a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him, and um you know, I don't know, there's going to be a special grace over <laughs> you when you fold that laundry or whatever. That's right. Um, I, mean, I don't think there's any laundry people that go in without our permission and do these things in advance for us. But I just know that that's the way God works. We're about his business. He's about our business. And really, if the laundry doesn't get folded until the middle of the week, these things are just temporal. Not that they're not important, because you are a faithful wife and mother, and you have your priorities totally straight. And um, not saying that the not the folding of the basic nuts and bolts of running your children's and family's life and husband and having clean clothes isn't important, but everything will pass away in this world. That's right. But the one thing that won't pass away is the fruit that remains that's gold. It's not wood, hay, and stubble. It can't be burned up in the fire, and it will be a reward. In fact, the Bible says uh, in this life, uh, when you do many things, the scripture I'm thinking about is even if you have to leave father, mother, sister, brothers for my sake, and I think uh, that can be natural, biological, blood, family, or it can be spiritual, uh, you will inherit 30, 60, and 100 fold in this life and the life to come. So there's reward for diligence. There's reward for even a temporary hour away from your family, but not leaving them really. And there's a reward even if you don't have any choice and you lose key people, uh, not your fault, but we still have to go on. And that's really what we're talking about today. That's right. That's right. That's a great segue into what we want to talk today about, which is three tests that we will face as believers in Jesus Christ. And we're going to walk through these tests. We're going to talk about them. And really the purpose of it is because God wants us to be fruitful. Yes. He wants us to be bearing fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. Right. But we might not be bearing fruit right. if we don't pass these tests. So that's right. what we want to dig into today and help our audience, our listening audience today, um, think about these tests and think about how they can be overcomers because Jesus is our overcomer. That's it. And he gave us the example. He overcame everything. He was God that became man, according to John 1, so that he could experience and show us that it was possible to be overcomer. And then in Revelations 2 and 3, it talks about him sitting down at the right hand of the Father, and he that overcomes will also do that. And so um, I want to talk just a moment. You made me think of, uh, because the Lord's been giving me some new insight about why is it 30, 60, 100 fold, 100 fold. And it applies very much to, I believe, what this series is going to be about, because it's about the heart. It's about whether you 
let the Holy Spirit convict you and whether you are walking in wisdom and the principles of the kingdom and hearing the Lord and doing what's called the elementary principles, like meditating on the word and asking forgiveness and keeping a clear heart, which isn't so elementary, it seems like at times. But what the Lord told me is it is about the heart of the giver, that that heart needs to really be what the Lord wants it to be as far as being open and honest before him, not holding offense, not walking in practice sin without repentance. And it also has to be a heart that's received Jesus Christ as their personal savior, because that's part of it. You know, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. So that's the source. It has to start with that. And then the Bible has many scriptures about out of the heart comes the issues of life and take care of your heart and exhort one another about your heart. So it's about the heart of the giver or the minister, but it's also about the heart of the receiver. And Jesus uh, referenced that he grieved and wept. And we have grieved and wept uh, in this ministry over people that this is what he said, if they would have received me in their heart, they would have received not only my message of who I am and the, the example before them, because he was living out that relationship with his father before his disciples and before anybody that would really listen and respond. But he talked many times about people that hear, but don't hear, see that don't see, right? And uh, their veils, their minds are veiled. So the receiver, we pray all the time in this ministry for the hearts of the receivers, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's a seminar, begin to do a work, Lord, we we send you and the Holy Spirit, because we can't do that work. And people have to respond. And so Jesus said to Jerusalem, what I would have done if you would have received me, but he ended up leaving Jerusalem and going on and he was grieved, you know, and so it's grievous when you realize that friends, family, people that come in for counsel, people that come up in the seminars are maybe not receiving what is necessary to get victory because the idea of these tests and trials is so you'll be more victorious. You know, Jesus says in John 16, 33, in this world you have trial and tribulation, but I've devoided it of its ability to harm you. How do you get there? Only if your attitude is the trial is going to make me stronger and equipping to be an overcomer. The persecution is because I'm living solidly for the Lord Jesus Christ and my life is an example. So he said, rejoice, they persecuted me before you. And discipline, a heavenly father disciplines those he loves and makes the branches to be pruned so they'll bear more fruit. And hopefully you're not being disciplined because you're willfully walking in sin, but he'll do that too. But if you think, Julie, of your children, my grandchildren now, or my son, and, or your, parent, your, your mom and your, your grandparents and all that poured into you, we disciplined you when, when you were young and immature because you didn't have the cognitive and spiritual ability to make the right choices. We're supposed to grow up, according to Ephesians 4, and not still be drinking the milk of the word. We're supposed to be eating the meat. And that requires sometimes discipline from the Lord that we should have moved away from by now or in a mature Christian relationship, right? Right. And if we don't, then, you know, I say discipline. You don't discipline your children when they obey. Right. You don't spank them when they obey. You reward them. 
Right. And that's a heavenly father and mother heart. Right. So the same thing, I hope uh, the people that we're talking to and myself is not being disciplined all the time because it's disobedience all the time because he can't bless disobedience. Um, but he will always prune you and he will always discipline you. And that's what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about getting the truth of if you really want to bear fruit, you are going to have to pay a cost. The cost is trial and tribulation, persecution and discipline, because he's always making us more Christ-like. You know, justification is instant. We don't earn it. You're instantly saved if you receive Jesus Christ, as we said a minute ago. You're instantly glorified if you die, if you're a Christian. But becoming more Christ-like, or the term sanctification, is a lifetime process. And think about us here as believers. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, dwelling inside of us, giving everything that we need to do this life. We have it. And I heard one time a friend of ours talk about a book they were reading. And in this book, I cannot think of the name of this book, but it was talking about how a lot of us will say, believers right now would say, man, I can't wait to get to heaven and talk to people who were the the faithful fathers and then the people who walked right beside Jesus and were part of his ministry. And man, we'll ask him, what was that like? And they'll say to us, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit with you at all times, 24-7? Amen. And I don't think we really appreciate that. I Mm -hmm. know at times I don't realize the gift that I have living and dwelling inside of me Mm -hmm. to guide me through life, to help me overcome every test that we're going to talk about today. It's in us. It's dwelling in us. And and it's our gift that we have because of Jesus. And it's it's not only just, like you said, overcome, but he said, I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to direct you. I'm going to lead you. And you're talking about Jesus speaking. I have to go away, but I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And you're absolutely right that that story that you're talking about, it's a lack of understanding. Yes, it would have been nice to see Jesus in person, but it's a lack of understanding that we are in a better place because now we have the Godhead. We have the Father. We have Jesus, the son. The word says he's ever interceding for us on our behalf. And then we have the Holy Spirit. So actually what you're inferring is that we're better off as far as equipping and strengthening with a Godhead relationship. But if you don't get that, and if you don't welcome the Holy Spirit in your life every day, like we do, welcome Holy Spirit. You're here, but we welcome you. We need you as well as some of the other things that we do on a daily basis and you feel like it has to be heaven, or I missed something because I didn't live in the first century church, then I would just exhort our audience, go back to the word and figure out that extra dimension of the Holy Spirit that is yours. You receive the Holy Spirit when you're saved. There's the gifts of the Spirit. There's walking in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of power. The disciples, when they went to Pentecost, Jesus, after he died and rose again, he said, wait, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to endow you with power. And the disciples, if you just look at Peter, denied Jesus three times before he was crucified. Right. Then he received that power, and he's the rock upon which the first early church is built. Right, and we're told we can do greater things than Jesus did, which is really mind-blowing. It is. How can I do greater things? And the way we can do it, the reason we can do it, is because of the Holy Spirit in us. Yes, and also the other thing I've thought about is the the era or the age in which you live, because Jesus walked everywhere. 
it's not necessarily greater in quality. It's greater in um, quantity because we have such a vast technological system right. at our fingertips. I mean, we will not meet. Jesus had to look at people up close and personal. Mm-hmm. He got up on a hill so he would amplify his voice. We're amplifying our voice with little pieces of equipment that'll go literally all over the the world. world. That's why it's greater, you know? And so I guess what you're saying, I feel exhorted by what you're saying, that we have no excuse to not remain, to not stand, to not overcome, to not say, Lord, you said I'd be greater. You said where I'm weak, you'll make me strong. You said you'd equip me with every good thing to not continue in the faith until you're called home or until Jesus takes us up in the rapture. But listen, it's not easy. And this is what we're talking about in this series. Why is it not easy? Because the enemy of our souls, which Jesus whipped and beat solidly at Calvary, he made an open show of him, um, is still making us want to believe that he did not, that we don't have the delegated authority of the Lord Jesus Christ over him, that he can win and and he can kill, steal, and destroy our lives because that's what he came to do when Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. So it's my hope that going over these, I the Lord through some things we've been going through lately, just one night spoke to me three levels and three stages of testing, and it gets increasingly more difficult because it strikes really closer to the heart the farther, farther you go along. And uh, you don't expect it. You know, we'll talk at the end of the series or in the third part about a G- Judas betrayal. But it's what the Lord said. This is what you ha- you've been through. This is what you are going through. And this is what you will, going through, will go through. And I've called you to remain. And you have to know the strategies of the enemy. That's why we exhort everyone to be in the word, meditate on the word, spend time in prayer, spend time in his presence, get in a great church that's preaching the word, have fellowship with other believers. All these things are necessary to remain, right? Right. All right. So let me just give an overview, Julie, to uh, the listening audience that we have discussed, which is what, you know, and, and nothing's ever totally comprehensive. This is just something the Holy Spirit's sharing with me that I think will minister Um, The three stages, first of all, is the first stage of practice sin. When we get saved, we confess all of our sins, and Jesus is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, okay? That's not just when you got saved. That's any time you miss it and you're contrite, right? Uh, Because we will miss it. If you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Right. And we're all sinners saved by grace. We didn't earn salvation, All we did was do what Jesus said. If I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, I will be saved. Something I like that you say, and you said most of it right there, Yeah. but you said it in a complete sentence the other day. You said, we will sin, but we should not be practicing sin. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to give Jimmy Evans, one of the apostles and uh, now... Uh, pastors, I think, or is acting more in that kind of role. I actually have lived that, but he put it in the first sentence. I heard that sentence first in a sermon uh, from him, I think, although I think I said it before that, so maybe not, but he really reaffirmed it, and I have said it many times, because if you practice sin, it means that the Holy Spirit lifts, according to David, King David, 
He said, don't lift your Holy Spirit from me in Psalm 51 when he sinned with Bathsheba Mm -hmm. in adultery and had her husband murdered. He realized, and it's so replete in the word, that sin and uh, the light and life of Jesus don't mix in a practiced, continual way. And he'll lift, he'll convict you, but if you don't respond in obedience, one time I heard someone say, you'll go no farther than your last act of disobedience. Right, if, I've if, heard that too. If you feel like you're not growing in the Lord, right? Right. Is there, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, I've heard before, well, sometimes you just need to go through some deep sin in order to really understand the consequences of sin and really appreciate the freedom in Jesus. Yeah. And what a lie yeah. from Satan that well, that's that what is. he tries to convince you, right? Because yeah. the whole book of the Bible, it's a love story to us from yes. Jesus, but it's warnings. Right. You can read through there and, and let the warnings and let the stories of these people who have walked in tremendous sin be enough that I realize I don't want to be in their shoes and walk in that sin and that separation from God. Right. That should, I would hope, because the Bible is alive and it's active and it's real and it's Jesus in word form. Yeah. Penetrate my heart so much that I want nothing but to be in relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. And you feel it when you're convicted. And conviction is not condemnation. Satan tries to condemn you. And make you feel like you are a bad person. Well, we we do bad things. But that what you're talking about, when you feel that conviction, if you keep your heart pliable, and we're going to be talking about how your heart doesn't stay pliable sometimes. But if you keep it pliable, then what happens is that the Holy Spirit will convict you. I had a pastor one time. Uh, I like this, what she said. She said, admit it and quit it. And she said, I try to repent so fast that Satan doesn't even know that I potentially allowed him into my heart and life, because that's what we got to get. You can't serve two masters. No. You'll hate one and love the other, love one, hate the other. Uh, so you can't say, okay, well, I'm going to have a buffet. You know, Michael Jr. that does comedy uh, routines at our church, he talks about a buffet. Let's see, I'll take the salad today, but I don't want the entree, and then I'll go to the dessert. And he analogizes, uh, analogizes that to your heart. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll give part of my heart to the Lord. But I'll leave this back. I'm going to live this part for him. But this other part, the people don't know. I'm going to have secret sin back here. And I'm going to practice it. And, you know, the Lord's sanctification is lifetime. But once he convicts you, he's a perfect gentleman. Fortunately, he doesn't sanctify us all at once. He doesn't show us all of our <laughs> badness or what do you want to say, our Adamic nature, let me say. All at once, he's he's gradual. He only gives you what you can stand. As the word said, he'll never give you more than can stand, but give you the grace to endure it. But still, he expects a heart that can be receptive and will respond when it's pointed out or when you're aware that you're walking contrary to the word of God or to his plan and purpose. Right. So that this first stage that we're going to talk about is sin. When I get done with this summary, we're going to come back and talk about that more. The second stage is um, it's like I haven't really put a title to it, but it's enduring the three things I just mentioned before that you're guaranteed as a Christian, it's what I have here is enduring things that are Christian uh, guaranteed that feel negative. They feel negative, but it is what is necessary because you are living in the world 
and you have to see them through to, through to victory. So we're in the world, but we're not of the world, right? That's right. So the second stage is enduring those three things. And the three, the only three I can see defined is persecution, trial and tribulation, and discipline. These are guaranteed. Even if you're doing all the right things, if you're doing all the elementary and secondary principles, if you're eating the meat of the word, all the things, because he wants to make you better. And he wants to allow trial sometimes to reveal some things on the inside. You know, there's a scripture that says he'll shake what's shakable. He'll make you more fruitful. So that's the second stage. He says, we will have trouble, but be of good cheer. That's right. He's overcome the world. That's right. And and the Amplified says, devoided it of its ability to harm you. That's good. I love that in John 16, 33. So you either believe that by faith. It may not. I said to him one time, this trial here doesn't feel unharmful. I feel pretty bad, right? <laughs> but you, you by faith believe the word because the word cannot lie. The word is Jesus. The That's word right. is true, whether I understand it or not. It is truth. That's okay, right. and then the third stage, which I think is really most difficult, is enduring relationships that become a gut wrenching cost because somebody has been betrayed, has betrayed you that you didn't expect, or that. Uh, like Jesus at Gethsemane, resigning ourselves to his will. Like, you know, one time I moved from Texas to New York. That was a real resignation to his will, and it came out so well for our family. But, boy, it was gut-wrenching for a while. So those Gethsemanes. And the third thing is that is for sure is Satan's attacks because he doesn't like us. Right. We are doing us. the we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a target you, on your back that's every right. day. That's right. And so um, what we try to do is equip everybody right away with the thinking about what you're thinking about, the five hours to victory to your thought life, as well as that you have an enemy and you're an overcomer, as well as being healed if you're wounded. Because if you have a bad wound on your body, you got to take care of that wound. And you're not going to be as effective because you're concentrating on the wound. And you're going to be more vulnerable to the strategies of the enemy because demonic spirits try to attack and get into those wounds. So we don't want to get too much into those, but that gives you a summary. So we're going to go back to the first thing that needs to be overcome if you're going to be a persistent, consistent, and faithful fruit bearer of fruit that remains. The first one we said, again, was dealing with sin. And basically in uh, John, uh, it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. That's a huge three categories that includes everything from sexual sin to addictions to your Idols. idols, your thought life. I think it even applies to walking in the flesh rather than the spirit. I mean, we're all working on the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. But sometimes we walk uh, or are tempted to walk in enmity, strife, anger, resentment. You know, in those little foxes, you know, people see the big sin, the big ten. They call the Ten Commandments. They see this. But we don't see re- so readily see the little sins. Uh, and the Bible says it's the little sins that if you don't see those can spoil the vine. And if you want to whitewash it, well, today I just got angry at my husband once and my children five times. And it's not that you got angry. Children can be trying and so can our spouse. It's whether you recognize it and you went back and said, hey, I didn't handle that right. You know, uh, in fact, let's talk about our children and your children. 
um, I was on the phone with uh, Poppy, or their, my husband, and I was, he was trying to tell me how to do FaceTime. I'm not a technological giant. Um, and I got a little frustrated because he was away and I was wanting just to talk to him. I didn't really care that I was right in the middle of the picture. Okay. But Ainsley was right there talking to him. And so I said, uh, so that went on. So when, when I had the privilege of putting her to bed that night, I said, you know, Ainsley, I said, Nani, sorry, because I did not treat Poppy with the right level of respect there. And you saw that I was frustrated. And it's not wrong that we get frustrated. It's that we recognize it and tell the people that saw it. Not that we're going to be perfect people. I mean, the only perfect person was Jesus. We have a perfect heart. Like we said, we're not walking in known sin without repentance. And neither are we holding offense. And we'll talk about that as we go along. We've talked about it before on these podcasts. But I said, so will you forgive me? And I, of course, asked my husband to forgive me too. Uh, that's how you keep a clear heart. And that's how you don't let the little foxes spoil the vine, let alone the huge practice sins that a lot of, I'm sorry to say, Christians feel like they can walk in and get away with. I mean, things that to me seem appalling because, I mean, I sit in an office every day with a Christian population and hear about how, how all the people got devastated because they chose Satan's ways, right? Right. Well, yeah. and I think, Conviction. You talked about that earlier, but uh-huh. I think that is key. Yeah. Conviction is a gift. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. It is not condemnation. Condemnation is something from Satan. That's right. totally different. Exactly. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation yeah. in Jesus Christ. Right. But there is conviction, and there that's is. for our good. Yes. So that we don't continue to spiral down into more sin and deeper sin and bigger sin. And I remember a time years and years ago, a, a friend of mine. Um, who was telling me about something she was doing and it was sin. It was a big sin and she had no conviction. Yeah. And I asked her about that. She did not think what she was doing was wrong. And that I, I got off that conversation with her. not so much scared for the sin she was doing, right. but so scared for her and her soul yeah. because she had lost conviction. Well, the Bible talks about a seared conscience, which yes. is a conscience that keeps resisting the Holy Spirit. And finally, it can't receive conviction from the Holy Spirit. It also talks, talks about a reprobate mind in Romans 1. Uh, they kept doing sexual sins and they developed lust uh, for everything imaginable. This is the children of Israel. And it says in Romans 1, they were turned over to a reprobate mind. I really think the word is clear. You can get so far away from a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit thinking that you cannot And let's just talk about a prime Bible example. David, who had gone through killing the lion, the bear, and Goliath, overcame Saul, which was no piece of cake. We won't talk about that today. Became king of Israel and overcame many other things. And then sinned with Bathsheba, like we said, with adultery and and had her husband killed, murder. Now, we're going to talk about that. That trans, uh, that progress of his heart right there. I don't think he just instantly said, today I'm going to commit adultery and have no. the husband murdered. It is a lifting of the Holy Spirit, probably, and him not being aware of it uh, or being uh, maybe resistant. I mean, the Bible doesn't talk a lot about that, but it does talk about sending a prophet and saying to him, you know, if you had um, saw somebody that had a whole bunch of lambs, and they were the supervisor or the owner of all these lambs, and you saw some man over here who just had one lamb, 
And that man that had all those lambs went and stole that one lamb. David, he's talking to King right, David. Right. What would you do? And David said, I'd have that man killed. And um, Nathan, who's a prophet, said, thou art the man. Pointing his finger at right. him and said, thou art it's the you. man. Because that was the analogy. Here's one wife, Bathsheba, with her husband. He stole, stolen fruit sexually and, and just stole her and had him killed so he could take her as a wife. As his own. Okay, he had at that time, which is something we don't talk about a lot, many, many wives, which is an Old Testament thing that... Uh, the letter of the law has turned into the spirit of the law when Jesus came and were the wife of one man or husband in this era since Jesus died and rose again. But nonetheless, he stole the one and he was the man, just like the analogy of the sheep. But David repented. He did. You want to read Psalm 51. So talk a little bit about what you think his heart looked like because he could receive truth in the final analysis. Well, I believe he was truly repented of his acts and he was broken yes he felt that separation from God because mm-hmm. of his sin right and you know it goes on and it talks about Nathan telling him after David realizes really that was the moment that David realized the severity of his sin and Nathan said your life will not be lost which relates to salvation mm-hmm. so Our sin, because of Jesus, if we are covered by the blood of Jesus, our sin does not send us to hell. The lack of repentance could. Yeah. But the sin didn't. But David had to face a terrible consequence Mm -hmm. of his sin. And I, I don't think that... That was maybe the most exciting thing to David that he's he I know he was thankful that he was still with the with God. He wasn't going to be separated from God. He wasn't going to lose his life. But now he had to face losing his child. Exactly. And it also says that there will forever be a sword Mm -hmm. in his family. So there was a forever consequence on the earth for David. And I think his level by the time this happened with everything he'd been through by being a shepherd boy. Uh, praising and worshiping the Lord, and that's where Psalms comes from, those beautiful Psalms, um, all the way up to being king. That the Lord, I mean, he wasn't surprised because we're all after Adamic nature, right. but I'm sure he was disappointed. Right. Okay, let's yeah. say God's never surprised. No, and he, we yeah. never lose his love. Right. And, and he does have a judgmental side. You know, sometimes we want to err on the side of grace where, okay, we're saved. I call it sleazy grace in my book. So we can just go out and sin and then we can ask him to forgive us and we sin and we ask him to forgive us. I mean, Paul talked about that in Romans um, 6. He said, so what am I going to do? Just go out and sin so I can exercise God's grace? Of course not. But wretched man that I am, I do some things that I don't want to do and I don't do some things that I should do. But he realized that if he was contrite, meaning in Psalm 51, Jesus said, or God said, a contrite, which is a repentant heart, I will not despise. And that means your brokenness and recognition. It means repent. Repentance means to turn from your sin. Right. With the help of the Lord and other people that you're not going to do it again. Change your ways. Change your ways. In Psalm 51, he also lamented, please forgive me. Because as we're talking about, I don't want your Holy Spirit to lift from me. Right. All right. So. It's so exciting to understand the blood never loses its power, but there's so much criteria. And how do we know this? Because we're geniuses? No. no. Because we meditate and have studied the word since we've been knee-high to a grasshopper. Some of it is quite amazing in your life and my life. We might get to talk about that at some point, and you have and I have. 
uh, it was given, but it wasn't always easy, and we didn't always have the greatest example in our mentors. But we we got it, and we and we definitely weren't perfect, but we kept pressing into the heart of God, and to the heart of really mature Christians or mature family that loved us, and so. The word and the stories, and we're still doing that. We're still meditating on the word. We're still reading it every day. We still are asking the Lord to teach us his wisdom. We're still going over the verses that we know and learning new ones when they come to our mind. Why? Because we're trying to get brownie points and perform and earn our way to God. When the word says it's not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy we are saved. No, it's because we want to know him. I want it, Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, and in the fellowship of his sufferings. And the word says we are no longer a slave to sin, That's but right. a slave to righteousness. That's right. So we are righteous because of Jesus' righteousness. Right. Completely imputed. Yes. If you take it, you enter into the Holy of Holies like the Old Testament with your conscience sprinkled clean, not with a lamb, a spotless lamb, but the spotless lamb of Jesus Christ. Right. So you can enter the Holy of Holies with a contrite pure heart, pure heart where you pure heart where you you asked him to forgive you or you forgive someone else if they've offended you so you're not affected because you, he imputed it to you but you uh, you get to make your choices as to how you keep your heart right and so that's what we're exhorting people here that the heart can get hard the heart can get practiced in sin it can get dull dull of hearing it can be dull of receptivity of truth as the great examples in the bible but we have the bible julie on every form imaginable at our, imaginable at our fingertips right you know when in jesus in these stories in the bible the bible was not even all together it was being written from the beginning of time up through jesus old and new testament and um we have it all written, completed, inspired, and we have it in so many different forms. And yet, as you know and I know, we can be so distracted. Many versions can sit on the bookshelf or we don't use you version or all the great ways. And it's, again, we do it because it's the sword of the spirit. It's a two-edged sword, it says in the, in the armor of God. One sword, uh, edge of the sword, cuts off the head of the enemy if we use it. Jesus used the word as a sword when That's Satan right. tempted him. Perfect. I was just about to say okay. temptation. Yeah. When I was probably in my early 20s, I memorized a scripture that has to do with temptation. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will provide a way out. And that's what he did for Jesus. Mm. Jesus was tempted yep. and Jesus got out right. because God provided a way out through his word. Right. And that's all we have to do is use his word. So that was such an encouraging passage to me to know that it's okay to be tempted. Correct. It's okay that I've had a thought that doesn't line that's up with right. the word of God. Yep. But I now know I have the power to not fall into that temptation That's that right. leads to sin. And that, that scripture, I just want to make two points about it. You memorized it and you've meditated on it all your life. Since I was 20. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and, and it serves you and anybody that knows that scripture today. Yes. Because when Satan comes to you or anybody that we're talking to and says, this sin is too hard. You can't overcome this temptation. You're in love with your office secretary and, and you're married and you can't overcome this. You got to be with her. 
And you or I, I mean, we wouldn't be with a, what, a boss, I guess. Even if we were in that situation, I can't, uh, I can't really fathom it because I'm not ever going to let my heart go to that point. But at the very least, you make a good point. I am tempted. You know, Timothy said, flee youthful lusts. Yes. Flee them. You know, like uh, Joseph, you know, he ran from Potiphar's wife and she grabbed his robe and he still kept charging. He didn't turn around and look back. Flee them. And this is the way you do it with that scripture. It's a temptation. And that's an excellent point. I think somebody needs to hear this today because I have goosebumps. Mm. Um, And sometimes I get goosebumps when I really feel like the Holy Spirit is giving almost a prophetic word that you can be tempted. But between your head and your heart is your mouth. So if you know the word as sharper than any two-edged sword, one edge goes in and does divine surgery. It makes you choose the right things. It makes you, because the word of truth is hidden, and you have a reverential fear of God, which we need to talk about too, which we probably won't get into today. You don't want to sin against him because you don't want to displease him, number one. You don't want to face the consequences, number two. And because you realize he's in control of everything he sees every word, every action, every thought. So who cares if you're feeling other, uh, fooling other people? Right. We're, we're all going to stand up before him one day in, the, in, in judgment about testing our works, judging our works. And if we don't get that and we just go ahead and sin and we don't see that it's, it's polluting our heart and we don't confess it and we don't have a scripture ready, no Satan... This is a temptation, but God said he'd give me the grace. This is how I define grace, the ability to do in the supernatural what you can't do in the natural. Or somebody said an acrostic, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Hmm. So in other words, Christ is in us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's within the world. So if you say, okay, that is a temptation, five hours to victory to your thought life. Recognize it. Rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. Resist a spirit of lust. If that's what it is, recite God's word. I'm going to flee youthful lust and I'm going to rejoice because I have the power of the living God within me and the Holy Spirit's here to strengthen me. Jesus is interceding for me before the father. I can walk away from this temptation and never look back. Rejoice. I love that. I I thought about sending to a friend today, and I haven't done it yet, but I think after the show I will go do it. She's going through a hard time right now processing some things and some friendships. And and I, after I spent some time with the Lord today, I just wanted to send to her, just go worship the Lord. You know, just yeah. worship Him for yeah. His goodness, that He reigns, He rules. Just worship Him. Yes. And there's something so powerful about worshiping Him, and there, your troubles start to fall away. Yeah. The reason for that is because oftentimes in this life, it's a sacrifice. It isn't that you feel like it all the time. And uh, secondly, God said he inhabits the praises of his people. So if God is inhabiting your words and your praise in your heart, do you think Satan's going to stay around with there? <laughs> I mean, he fell from heaven because he was a praise leader. Right. And, and with pride, wanted to be equal with God. So he got cast out of heaven. So if you praise the Lord, it also demonstrates you trust him by faith, even though the circumstances, event, and people, events of people look so negative. Your focus is on faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Right. It's on victory. You're going to devoid this trial of its ability to harm me. 
Right. You're going to um, take care of the people that are persecuting me, even though I might have to endure that and rejoice. You're, you're loving me. You love me so much that you will cause me to be even more fruitful because you want to reward me so well in eternity. And, and nothing else, uh, David at Ziklag, 1 Samuel 30, he rehearsed his victories in the past. If everything's so bad in the present, which it was at one time with David at, the, at Ziklag where he lived, he re, he, I'm sure he rehearsed, wait, I took one smooth stone and killed Goliath. And nobody could get to him. Nobody could. Israel was all the people in Israel, all the leaders. He was a boy. But by his faith, he said, God is with me. So this looks really bad out there. We got this big old giant Goliath that's terrorizing us. But by faith, I'm not going to look at that. I'm going to keep my eyes on who is in control. Right. And who can enable me with one little slingshot in a smooth stone as a young boy to take this out guy out and people were amazed right they were amazed well okay now think about david i think at ziklag he's rehearsing wow i was on the mountaintop with you you protected all the lamb and the sheep i held them close to my heart they were healed i killed the lion the bear and goliath so now i'm at ziklag it doesn't look good they stole all of his property they burned down all of his possessions. They kidnapped all of his family. And he was coming in from battle. He was exhausted. So what did he do? He encouraged himself in the Lord. He inquired of the Lord what to do. He rehearsed his victories. He couldn't mm-hmm. rehearse that scene in front of him. He couldn't even rehearse the outcome except by faith. But he could rehearse what already happened. Right. And that says in the, in the end of that chapter, he recovered it all. Yes. If you want to recover all that you feel that has been stolen by Satan, some of which is not your fault. We, listen, I've written a whole book about how things happened to me that were not my fault. Julie, things happened to you that were not your right. fault. But there comes a point, if you get saved, it becomes your responsibility to heal, to pursue the Lord, to press into him, to find that he's your father and mother heart, maybe your sister, brother, aunt, or uncle. Whoever you don't have, you can't sit around and say, well, if I had a mother and father, I could do well, too. Mm-hmm. No. When actually you do have a father. You do. You have the perfect father. That's right. In fact, he said he'll be a father to the fatherless and a husband to the husbandless, and you can carry that out. Right. A mother to the motherless. Someone said that, a matter of fact, he said, you know, I don't lament because I don't have those. Not that Jesus didn't say it's not good for, or the God, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helpmate. I would not want to live in this life without my husband. I know you wouldn't either, and vice versa. We need flesh and blood and helpmate and unity. But the bottom line is, if that is not your story right now, he is a better father heart because he's, like you just said, He's the perfect father. He has, you know, he's got a special grace over widows and, and, you know, orphans. And we've talked about that many times, right? Yes. But if we don't lay hold of it, you know, Hebrews 12 says, do not fail to obtain grace, lest a root of bitterness will rise up and Mm -hmm. define many. So I learned to ask for grace if I was in a difficult situation. And I have a testimony about that. But basically, we got to sum it up for this one. We'll go on because I can see there's more and you can see there's more to just complete this first stage. The stage of sin. Correct. And, and how you respond to it or not respond to it. What the strategies of the enemy are in it. 
if you do it either way and how God will bring you out if you do it his way. And so that's what we're going on to talk about with that as well as the other two stages we talked about in the beginning. And um, I think we're going to have to stop today. I think so. We're, okay. we're running out of yeah, time. Yeah, we're running out of time. And fortunately, uh, your husband, my son, edits these. Great, great <laughs> He's going to have fun with this one. Yeah. And so, um, Julie, uh, would you feel directed just to close us in prayer? Yeah. Well, let me close this out. Before we do that, just... Uh, to say, come back next week, because yes. next week we're going to hit the next two topics Correct. or the next two tests that we are talking about today. Those will be trials, persecution that we've walked discipline. through, discipline, yeah. as well as really tough relationships that we go through and how that can keep us from being fruitful from having the fruit that Jesus has paid the price for us to have. Or maybe running the race successfully, because yes. it says... Uh, Throw off every sin that so easily besets you and run the race, the race of life. Yes. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith so that you can win the prize and cross the finish line and hear him say one day, well done, thou good and faithful mm-hmm. servant, enter into your rest. And so that second uh, stage, when you talk about trial, persecution and discipline, we're talking about the hard things that we have to face even as Christians being in the world, but not of the world. So it's sin and the hard things you face as Christians. And the third category is the really tough relationships, both in the world and sometimes in your family or in Christian brothers and sisters that really kind of knock you off your horse when things go awry there and how to respond to that. Right. Well, I look forward to hitting those topics with you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's pray together today. All right. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for your goodness. Yes, Lord. We thank you that you are in control. Praise we you, thank Jesus. you for your grace and your mercy. Hallelujah. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for our sins yes. so that we are no longer guilty. Mm. So thank you, Jesus, for coming for each of us, for every person. You came for every person Absolutely. in this world to experience complete relationship with the Father, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. Today, we pray for every person listening, every person who tuned in today and is hearing from you, Holy Spirit. I pray you would continue to speak to them throughout this week. You would continue to convict, Lord. I pray conviction would come down on anyone who is caught in sin so that we can quickly repent, turn away from it, and continue on our race, Father God. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would draw people to repentance if that is needed in their life, in Jesus' name. We pray, Father God, that you would draw people to you that don't yet know you, Father God. Draw them to your kingdom, Father God. Draw them to your goodness and to your mercy and to your grace, Lord Jesus. And we just pray over this time today that it would go out and it would reach every person it needs to reach for your kingdom purposes. And we pray that as people tune in, as the people who are listening right now, praying with us, that they would produce fruit 30, 60, and a hundredfold in their life, in their marriages, in their parenting, in their children's lives, in their relationships at their jobs, in their work at their church, in their volunteer opportunities, in every area of their life. We want to be fruitful for your kingdom to spread the gospel as we are called to be disciples to the nations, Lord. So Lord, come do your work, have your way. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in 
Jesus name we pray. And Julie, I heard two things in my spirit that I felt like someone's thinking. First of all, and it might be more than one, but at least one. First of all, I can't do that. That sounds so good. They can do that, but I can't do it. It's too hard. And I just want to reiterate a point of this lesson. Yes, that's right. You can't do it. If you're not saved, you need Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then you need to go to Jesus right now and say, I can't do that. I can't give up that man or that woman. I can't give up that alcohol, that drug, that cigarette. I can't. And that's a lie. And I cast it down in Jesus' name. And I call forth grace for that brother or sister that's thinking that they can't do that. And then the second thing I heard is, well, Jesus will do that for them, but he won't do it for me. That's a lie. Because the word says he is no respecter of persons. As Julie prayed, the prayer that's correct, he died for every single person that ever was created and lived on this earth. He died for everyone. And he said that none would perish. This is him speaking. I wish that none would perish and come short of the glory of God. But he gave you free will. If you don't choose him, he's already chosen you. But there's a point where you've got to choose him. You got to repent. You got to turn from. You got to get with other brothers and sisters to strengthen you. You've got to choose grace, love, healing. There is an answer for you because he came to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those that are bound. So Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you for those prophetic words. And I just agree with everything Julie has prayed. We're to agree as touching anything. According to your will, it shall be done. In Jesus' name we pray, believe and receive all these things. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for joining us today. Have a blessed week. 